Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. There's no first team football this week, so we're going to do something a little bit different. I invited people to put questions because people ask me questions all the time and we've had loads and loads of questions sent in. This podcast is brought to you in association with Betfred. Fred Doan opened his first shop in Salford. He's a Salford Red in 1967. And we invited people on United We Stand's forum, uwsonline.com and also on my Twitter account to send questions. There's no way we'll be able to get through all of them, but we're just going to read down through them and get through as many as we can. Now, it's going to be really, really boring if it's just me reading questions and answering them. It's going to be quite ridiculous. So I'm going to enlist the help of my two young daughters. They've not done this before, so please bear with us. And here's the, here's the youngest one. You're going to ask the first question, aren't you? What is it? Dad, what's happening with the next United manager? So lots of people have asked you about that. And the situation at the moment is that Manchester United are speaking to various uh, candidates. Uh, they've spoken to three, I think. Um, one which has accurately been reported is Ten Hag. And more will hopefully be spoken to. United actively started making contact one month ago. I am told that players are asking the club who will be in charge next month. When I say players, I mean prospective players. So United are sounding out certain players or their agents and they want to know who's going to be in charge at Old Trafford next season. I'm also told that United want the position to be clear by the summer. So it's it's all happening now. I know for a fact that managers have been spoken to. Um, it's easier for some to be made public or semi-public than others. Uh, for example, I think most Ajax fans accept that their leading talents, including their managers, move on and their players, but it's slightly different at other clubs. So you've got a situation where you've got contracted managers um, who it's not easy for them to be speaking and and for that to be getting out. I hope that makes sense. Okay, you ready for some questions? You go first. If I were if I were to walk into your job today, what would be the biggest surprise? What don't we see as fans but you do working in the industry? If someone looking at my job, I think you'd be surprised how many times I'm communicating with different people and that's changing slightly. A telephone, WhatsApp messages, voice notes. I've spent 32 years building up contacts so that I can do my job properly. You're getting information every day. You would have uh, A-list contacts, people who tell you stuff which is always correct. You'd have people who tell you stuff which is sometimes correct. And you'd have people telling you stuff which is incorrect. But if you're putting stuff out there, your name's going to be on it. So the other problem is there's often two versions of the truth in football, maybe even three versions of the truth in football or people give you fragments of information. So you're always putting together a jigsaw of what is going on. I'd probably say that I write 10% of the stuff that I get told and you're just always getting more and more information so that you're abreast. So you, when you write, you can write with, um, with your stuff being really well sourced and hopefully tell the truth. That's what you, you, you want to do. I, I think people would be surprised at how long it takes to do that. There simply isn't a queue of people waiting to give you information. 
takes years and years and years to build up uh, trusted contacts and they come to you in very different ways and people have got very different reasons for speaking to you and you often get in people talking to you from two or even three sides of a story so it's all about the contacts and it's quite frustrating when you put something out there and people just lift it immediately online but at least I'm being paid to get the original stories in the stuff that what I do. I also travel. I like to see people face to face if possible. I think it's important to build up uh, contacts that way and contacts uh, get your stories. So that's it. Next question. Where is Shah's comment acceptable last night about saying it's a pleasure to play for England, not United currently? I like players speaking up, being honest, but should he'd be highlighting what we all know. So Luke Shaw's comments, he's clearly pissed off, or partly pissed off with what's going on at Manchester United. He had a dig by saying that he's happy when he plays for England. I quite like that, that honesty. Fine. If, if You can see quite clearly that things are not good at Manchester United. That's shown best uh, in the way that the team are playing on the pitch. United have fifth and sixth in the table, out of all the cup competitions, gone out of them competitions at home this season. It's been a terrible season and lots of the players have got major issues with that, uh, just as the fans have. So I didn't have a problem with Luke Shaw being honest and, and saying that. Next question. If you had to pick a five-man United to defend Old Trafford from invade, invading Scott's forces from the current players, who would you choose? Leader? Explosive specialist, hand-to-hand expert, helicopter pilot, master of these guys. A five-man unit to defend Old Trafford from invading Scousers. Leader, are there any at the moment? Explosive specialist, Juan Mata, helicopter pilot, Varan. He looks like he's a pilot. Hand-to-hand fighting expert. Come back to that one. I would have said Marcus Rojo, but he's left. Master of disguise, well, certainly not Harry Maguire. He'd probably stand out more than any of the other um, players. Hand-to-hand expert, maybe Dean Henderson. Which player is most likely to defect immediately? Oof, that's looking for character flaws in the Manchester United players. Uh, Paul Pogba, we'll put him. Next question. Did the smell of cornflakes being baked ever reach you backyard when you were a kid? Yes, I could smell cornflakes because they're made in Trafford Park uh, between my house and Old Trafford. There's a big Kellogg's plant there and I could smell cornflakes um, from where I lived on the border of Stretford and Ermston. I could also hear Old Trafford um, on first team match days uh, when I wasn't at the game, when I was really young. You could hear the roar of Old Trafford from that would be like two and a half, two and a half miles away, which is... is which was brilliant. It really excited me as a kid. If you were appointed manager tomorrow, how many of the youth team and players out? How many of the youth team players out on loan would you have in and around the first team next season? Which ones would you include? I think that people who say throw the kids in are a, a little bit misled. If you put the current youth team in against... 
any Premier League team. They get absolutely destroyed. They're nowhere near ready for it. James Garner's probably not even ready to play for Manchester United yet. And he's doing very well in a championship team. Or maybe he is, but that's not for me to decide. I've got no qualifications uh, as, a, as a professional football manager to see whether he's ready or not. All I know that James Garner is doing very well on loan. And I know that Ilanga was going to go on loan, but he stayed. And it was the right decision for him to stay. I think his future progress is now at Old Trafford. And you have all these bright players who it looks really bright for them. And um, it's not really fair to say they fade away. They just don't make it as being one of the top 700 players in the world because you're going to play for Manchester United. You've got to be at a really, really, really high level. And even some players who come in at a high level struggle and have to move away to get back to that level. Memphis Depay is a good example of that. He's clearly talented. He went to Lyon and then he moved on up towards Barcelona where he's been decent, but he's had a lot of lot of injuries as well. Uh, of the young lads, um, I've written quite a bit about the youth team and I watched the game, the semi-final, uh, the midfielder. 16-year-old midfielder was Kobe Mainu. I thought he was excellent in the semi-final. Uh, Charlie McNeil, I think he's someone who's very exciting as well. Um, Alejandro Garnacho uh, has probably made most of the headlines this season. He joined from Atletico Madrid when he was 16. So they would be the ones. Um, Willie Camwala, central defender, came from Socio. It's really, really difficult. You've seen that Ted and Mengi, for example, was mentioned as a possible future first-team player, Axel Tuanzebe, and, and it's difficult because that hasn't happened with Tuanzebe and is unlikely to happen. Um, so it's difficult for them. Next question. Also, are you putting £100 of your hard-earned money on the next manager of Manchester United? Who are you putting your money I'd say the favourite at the moment is is Ten Hag, and he certainly seems to be very popular among Manchester United fans. I'm not convinced a lot of those United fans know loads about him. I had a long chat yesterday with Jordi Cruyff, who's Barcelona's sporting director, about Ten Hag. Uh, I spoke to some people in Amsterdam last week as well, and it's broadly positive. I've heard very positive stuff about Richo Pochettino as well. So I'd say those two are the forerunners. It's a shame with the timing with Luis Enrique because he would be my first choice. But he's a Spain manager and he's taking Spain to the World Cup this year. So that would be more improbable. But I think he's, a, he's an excellent manager and I've seen him work close at hands and also interviewed him as a journalist. Next question. Do you have a forest point in the future where Neville and Co are involved in running United? Will Gary Neville and Co be involved in running Manchester United in the future? Maybe. Gary's got a better relationship now with the club, with Richard Arnold, than he had with the club and Ed Woodward. I think Gary's got to remain um, constructively critical uh, to keep his, his credibility. Gary's job is to tell the truth to the people watching and analyse games using his expert knowledge um, is very ambitious. I don't think that he's got the money to be buying Manchester United, which is, you're talking billions. Chelsea's price, which they're likely to go for, would probably encourage the Glazers rather than discourage. So Gary would definitely need backing from 
from someone else to get involved. But at the moment, uh, and I spoke to Gary a couple of weeks ago, it's certainly not something that I would see. Um, on one on one hand, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame that Nicky Butts no longer working at Manchester United. That there's not a place for Paul Scholes at Manchester United. But that's just how it is at the moment. But no, I cannot see um, with the Glazers at the moment in charge, uh, the class of 92 somehow getting involved. Of all the ex-players you've interviewed, who do you expect to be a bit of a prick that surprised you? Who did I expect to be a bit of a prick? I wouldn't say expected anyone to be a bit of a prick. Some have really surprised me. Clayton Blackmore had a lot more to him in his background story than I ever thought. Nemanja Vidic who was someone I knew as a mixed zone into journalist, didn't really know him well until he'd left the club and spent a lot of time speaking to him. I think he's absolutely fascinating. I think he's a really intelligent uh, man. And the next bit, who did I expect to be decent, who turned out to be a bit of a prick? I appreciate you probably can't answer that. Well, I think I can answer it. Um, there's a French player, Johan Gokouf, who I thought, oh, he'll be interesting. He's, I was told he was intelligent and he just couldn't be asked. He might have had a bad day. He's human. And another one I had a pretty poor experience would be um, Paredes, the Argentinian player who plays for PSG. I interviewed him the night before the 2020 Champions League final. I went to a stadium to see him in, in Lisbon at Benfica. And he, was just, he just couldn't be bothered. And I'd done a lot of research and I was speaking to him in his language and he just couldn't be bothered being there. So I just thought, if you can't be bothered, then why should I be bothered? And the next day, uh, I interviewed Ander Herrera, who was totally the opposite of that. So as a journalist, you take the rough with the smooth, you try and do your job and elicit interesting answers out of these people and you want them to talk to you. Um, and most of them do. Most of them are fine, I've got to say. Most of them know what what's happening occasionally you get a couple of uh who disappoint or what you might get with current players is they can't say what they're really thinking because their quotes are just going to get totally twisted out of context or blown up and something innocuous comes back as you know shock slam and it's been nothing but that they just get twisted so i think players really start to become interesting when they stopped playing, Paul Scholes is a good example of that. What did he really say when he was playing? Look what he says when he stopped playing. He's he's definitely worth listening to now. Is it realistic that United could churn over 10 players in and out this summer? United could easily churn 10 players in and out. A lot of them will be young professionals. I think 12 players left the club last summer, up until the end of the transfer window. So... People might remember Dan James or Sergio Romero going, but what about Arnel Pujmal, Joel Pereira, Mark Helm? Uh, players get released as well. But I, I get the point. It's how many is going to come in. This is down to the new manager. That's why the new manager needs to be put into place. Um, five players join the club for this season. Tom Heaton, Jaden Sancho, Paul McShane, Rafael Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you've got players out of contracts, big name players out of contracts. So absolutely, it could be a really, really busy summer. One problem United have got is that the players earn a lot of money and it's difficult to get rid of players because they're invariably going to earn less money if they move on. Um, that question was from Noddy. He also asked, 
If you could choose one city in Europe to watch United win their next Euro pot, what would it be? Oof. What would it be? A great city in Europe. Europe's full of brilliant cities. Europe's amazing. Europe's great to travel around. There's great trains. Prices tend to be good. Just try and do that in South America. It's not as easy. Try and do that in North America. You've got all these beautiful cities in Europe, so close to each other. Look at the distance between Brussels and Paris and Amsterdam and, and Berlin. There's so many and they're so different. And each country's got its own flavour. So any, any, of the, any of the great cities of Europe, really, that's what makes a great destination. I think Barcelona in 99 was perfect. It was good weather. You've got a huge capacity stadium. And everything worked out well, didn't it? And he also asked here, um, how much of a difference does Woodward moving on actually make to the way United are structured? Well, a Richard Arnold is, will definitely be trying to do things his way. I know for a fact he's having lots of different meetings with people. He's got a lot of people reporting into him. And he'll definitely want to make a mark. He cannot rip everything up because a lot of the staff are on full-time contracts. And it's a results business. He knows that from the commercial side. But now it's from the football side of things as well. Been a lot of changes at Manchester United in the last year. I think there's going to be a lot more coming up. I've said that for months now at all levels, whether it's players going out, people on the football side of things, and new appointments as well. It really is a club in a state of flux at the moment. And I worry about the direction it's going in. I think that's natural given how bad Manchester United have been this season. And I worry about the Glazers. A lot of you have asked about the Glazers as well. Uh, I worry about the lack of investment into Old Trafford. I've written about that a lot. And I think that that is something that should fall squarely at their feet because they've left it far too long. I think they've been far too protracted in not giving Manchester United fans a clearer indication of the announcements they made uh, last summer. There's been hardly any news about what's going to happen in terms of um, a share scheme. And United fans, quite rightly, just pissed off with the whole thing because the results have been really bad as well. So I'm worried. I'm worried about Manchester United, um, about getting the right people in. I'm worried that whichever manager comes in, that he's going to be the right person. In some ways, I feel it's an impossible job because you're up against clubs who've got really well-established and successful structures so, and what do you think? Who do you support? Who do you support? Barca. What? Barca. You've got Man United shirts. And Barca shirts. Who do you support? Barca. What about United? Second. The second team? Yeah. Who's your best English team? Manchester. City or United? United. Who's your favourite United player? Ronaldo. Cristiano? Yeah. Barca player? Gavi. Gavi. And what if Manchester United played Barcelona? Who would you want to win? It's really hard because I don't want you to throw me out. So what are you telling me? Barca? Yeah. And then you'd find somewhere new to live? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would. Not having any of this. <laughs> Never mind laughing. <laughs> right? You support Manchester United. That's non-negotiable in this house, Okay. Do you think Old Trafford will be demolished and rebuilt in the next five years? 
I would be surprised if Old Trafford was demolished and rebuilt in the next five years. I think whatever happens, it's going to take a few years. I think it will happen. I think there'll be a major development, redevelopment. I've been writing about this for years and years and years. I can remember writing about safe standing in 1994 in United We Stand. And I think that a process will start very soon and has to start very soon to expand Old Trafford, to bring the facilities up to date and to sort... Uh, well, the roof, I think, is an issue. The exterior is an issue. And I just don't know what shape and format. There's three different options there, basically. And the United have got to get the finance to do that as well. So I would, I would expect, and this is just my opinion, but I've spoke to a lot of people familiar with the situation, that there will be significant changes at Old Trafford uh, in the next five years. Interim manager, do you agree this was one of the most ridiculous decisions made by the club in the last 40 years? Well, I don't think United had a huge amount of choices. If if United were going to sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which the club decided to do, and I think most fans wanted United to do, it's very difficult to get someone in uh, at a top, top level. That's why United went to Ralph Rangnick. It, it's unconventional. I'm not convinced by it. I've never been convinced by it. I think Ralph Rangnick's a good a good man. I know that a lot of clubs looked at him and held his him in, in, in extremely high regard, but all I've heard right throughout is um, bumps and, and issues from the players, from vice versa, even from Rangnick's side of it. He's un, unable to play the style of football that he wants because he doesn't feel he's got the the type of players there to do that. And I think if he would have done well in the Champions League, which didn't happen. United were atrocious in Madrid and some of that is on him I know for a fact that and in the league it's been pretty unconvincing as well so I think what will happen now is Ralph Rangnick will be tasked with concentrating on the final league games of the season I don't think that history will judge it as an inspired decision uh, but I also feel slightly unfair saying that because who could have done any differently it's very difficult to come into a dressing room where there are divisions and lead a winning football team. He's actually had some decent results. He's drawn too many matches and football's not been great. It's been a really bad season, hasn't it? But I can also understand why Oli Gunnar lost his job as well. Will we see football club return to the club crest? I doubt we'll see football club return to the club crest. I put it to Ed Woodward uh, twice in interviews in 2013, 2019, and I don't think that will happen. That's my honest answer. Lisbon or Barcelona? As cities, Lisbon or Barcelona, I think they're two of the very best cities in Europe. Lisbon's an absolutely great place. Barcelona is as well. Uh, Barcelona, just because the football's a bit better and it's, uh, I was going to say, got better communications. What's the horse question, Dad? Um, I can't, no, we're not answering that one, sweetheart. Go on, next one. What do you think of people masquerading as football journalists on social media and fan channels? Look, everyone can, every football fan has an opinion. That's, that's part of the reason why we love football, that everyone can have an opinion on it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think sometimes there are some people who are disingenuous because they would have their um, followers think that they are legitimate, bona fide journalists. And I mean, I know, I know 
one person doesn't actually even cover Manchester United. If you looked at his profile, you would think he was a major correspondent for a major football club. And he doesn't go to any games. And I'm like, if you're a correspondent for a football club, you've got to work really hard. You've got to go to games. And I, I saw this person complaining about the volume levels on uh, on TV for matches. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're saying on your profile that you're in the city where you cover a team. There's a lot of blaggers. Social media allows people to blag. And I think you get young and gullible fans. Maybe English is the second language. They don't know who's who. They don't know who to follow. There's also a lot of people who rip off stuff. There's also a lot of people who are very quick to make judgments. Want to be journalists, aspiring journalists. There's nothing wrong with that. The minute they have to then start making their own news is the minute they find it very, very difficult. Because to do that, you need contacts and Stories can take weeks in the running. So it's a baffling world. You you see, I mean, I work as a journalist. I pay my taxes. I'm accredited to the National Union of Journalists. I have to pay my insurance to be allowed into football grounds. I did my shorthand. I passed my journalism exams. I studied for three years to do it and spent a long time doing it. And you'll literally get people coming along and saying, can I do a column saying why this and this and that should happen? And... Eyebrows are raised. Put it that way. When do you see United competing again? That's a really odd question. I don't know the answer to that. I remember asking Jamie Carragher in 2015, when do you see Liverpool competing again? And he said, not in the next five to six years. And I feel pretty despondent about Manchester United at the moment. But I've said this a few times, spoke to one fan. Recently, a match who's, who's followed United for 50 years, he said, you never know when it's coming. And I, I've seen clubs, the fortunes turn relatively quickly. Unfortunately, it's not really happened at Manchester United in the post-work scenario. There's been a few false dawns. There's one point under Mourinho. There was a point under Van Hall in the, the spring of 15, I think it was, when United went on a really good run. But as we speak now, I'm pretty despondent. I think United will bring... Um, new players in, they'll get rid of players, they'll bring a new manager in, next season we'll start amid optimism, but the standards are set really high, the rivals are really strong at the moment. Do you have any plans for another United book? Uh, the Patrice everyone took me a long time, I've agreed to do one, I agreed that a couple of years ago, I've had a couple of players ask me to do books with them as well, um maybe maybe they they just take like 800 hours to write a book it's a lot a lot of work um but i love writing and i love writing books and i love books as well and i'm aware that i've slowed down on my books partly because my my other forms of journalism has taken up a lot more time over recent years i will do it's just a question of um of when do you believe there is a realistic chance Luis Enrique could be the next Manchester United manager? Luis Enrique for the next Manchester United manager. To say yes or no. Cheeky. It's really difficult. Ask me in a week. Next one. How big an influencer do you believe social media negativity has on players? And what steps are the club taking to help players deal with that? I believe it's a massive issue because the players get so much abuse and so much um, praise as well that it warps their way of thinking. They're glued to their phones 
I know that the club try and get players to leave their phones at the gate when they come to training, but phones are a major part of, of what they do and what your generation do. Yes or no? Yes. And um, I think it's an issue. I think if you look at any Manchester United tweet and look at the responses which follow, it's pretty horrific, isn't it? Last week, a young goalkeeper said that he was retiring. And amid the messages saying, good luck to you, you have people saying this is a disgraceful club, resign now, just just awful, awful. Even even when like memorial messages go out, you just think, what is the, the, the purpose of these people doing this? But a lot of them are anonymous. As a journalist, it frustrates me when I see fans putting assumptions written as fact because it's really hard to stand up facts and people just say this won't happen this is going to happen I mean one lad said to me last year Paul Pogba's never playing for this club again and I said really can I write that as a fact yes never happening and, and what what's your basis for that and to be fair we went it's in my waters which made me laugh but I hear that all the time and if I wrote that I'd get sacked if he did play another game. And he's played a lot more games. Not not as many as United fans would have uh, liked him to do that. Why isn't Donny playing? Don't ask me about Donny. Donny van der Beek is one of the most maddest things as a journalist. Every week people would say to you, why aren't you asking about Donny? And every single week the Manchester United manager would be asked about Donny van der Beek. But because the people wanting the questions to be asked weren't getting the answers that they wanted, they became really frustrated. The facts are that three Manchester United play- managers have overlooked Donny van der Beek. I hope he has a fantastic career. Yeah, it started really brightly at Ajax, but it hasn't happened for him at Manchester United. But it was bizarre. People were just like, why don't you ask him about Donny? I'm like, well, because there are other things to ask about. And he was asked about him two days ago. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. That whole um, Donny van der Beek line of questioning. The other little ones come back in. You, who do you support? Manchester United. Who's your favourite player? El Bicho. El Bicho? Who's El Bicho? Cristiano Ronaldo. That's what you call him, Cristiano Ronaldo. Is he your favourite United player? Do you like any other United players? You've gone shy. Mm-hmm. So do you want to ask this question? When you were little, which United player leaving caused you the most upset? So when I was little, I used to love a player called Steve Coppel. I thought he was the coolest man in the world. And when I was going to have my hair cut when I was your age, I'd say to my mum's friend, Carol, around the corner who cut my hair, can you cut it like Steve Coppel's? And she'd say yes. And she cut it the same every single time. And I really liked him. And then... When I tried to interview him for one of my books, he was the only player I couldn't get hold of. Couldn't get him anywhere. And then as soon as we published the book, his brother got in touch and said, I've just brought the book. Yeah, you should have asked me, but I was there to know that. And then he interviewed Steve Coppel and he was, he was a very, very, uh, very interesting man. So there you go. You're getting bored of asking questions now. What do you want to do for a few more minutes? Because we've got 78 more questions. We're not going to get through them all. Where did it go wrong for Ollie? Gamsler wants to know on Twitter uh, that last two months and I spoke to him after it and he said um, 
those last two months are not going to be a stain in his mind on, on his United career. But it was awful. I think five defeats in seven matches. I don't know. It's on the players. The players let the manager down. But it's chicken and egg, isn't it? The manager's got to motivate the players as well. And by the end, it was it was awful, I'm afraid. What's the future of fanzines? Fanzines. United We Stand is in decent shape. He's changing. So we sell fewer at the ground, more through subscription, more online. I love print. We've got a massive issue with the cost of paper. It's gone up 45% in the last year. We've had another email last week to say the energy costs have gone up massively and I really don't want to put the price of United We Stand up. And we've got a very loyal readership and we need that. Otherwise, I'll just do my other stuff. But we work hard to put original stuff in there. I'm working on the current issue at the moment. There's loads of stuff going in gutter snipe. Overall, looking across the board, printed fanzines, I think it's pretty difficult. But I think the fan culture at a lot of clubs is pretty vibrant. Uh, and I think a, a club as big as Manchester United should have a quality fanzine uh, market. And when we stand outside the ground and sell it, our readers tell us that. It's really nice to be outside the ground in the real world, not online. People coming up and giving us feedback. It's an absolute buzz to do it. So I'm going to finish at midnight tonight on United We Stand and I'll be up at half six in the morning on it. As long as people keep buying it, then I'll I'll carry on doing it uh, if, as long as we can make it work. What's your favourite cheese? Do you know who that is? That's Pete Boyle who's asking that. Peter um, starts a lot of the songs at Old Trafford. You know the chants? He starts them off. That's what he does. Cheshire. Mature cheddar. What's yours? Mm, normal cheese. Normal cheese. That's your answer? Yeah. Do you want to ask any more questions or are you getting a bit bored now, aren't you? Yeah. What? Questions or bored? Bored. Why does... Right, we've got an advert here. You can help me read it. No. It's for ExpressVPN. I actually use ExpressVPN as um, as as a VPN. Do you want to try reading it? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like leaving your laptop exposed at coffee shop table while you run to the bathroom. Most of the time, you're probably fine. But what if one day you come out of the bathroom and your laptop is gone? Right, so why does everyone need a VPN? Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker can do the same. And they can get access to your personal data, your passwords, your financial details, etc. It doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone. Just some cheap hardware is needed. A smart 12-year-old could do it. You see, you'll be able to do it soon when you're 12. I know you're not 12. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to... £1,000 per person selling your personal info on the dark web. So why use ExpressVPN? Well, not bullshitting you. I use it and I found it the best one that I've used. I used a different one up until three years ago. Uh, ExpressVPN has an encrypted tunnel. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. Hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It's very secure. It'd take a hacker with a supercomputer a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. A billion years. It's easy to use. You fire up the app and click one button to get protected. It works on all devices too. Uh, phones, laptops, tablets and more. So you can stay secure on the go. 
You can secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com forward slash united. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com forward slash united. And you get an extra three months for absolutely nothing. Expressvpn.com forward slash united. Right, I've got no one to ask me the questions now. Right, I'll try and get through a load of questions as quickly as I can. Any news on the Glazers, Andy? They've been quiet as usual after their promises to engage fans. Uh, yeah, they have been quiet. They've been too quiet. They should come good with some of uh, of the promises and soon because we've got the first anniversary of the European Super League which kicked off the protests coming up. Uh, gravy mayonnaise, yes or no? I don't even know what gravy mayonnaise is. I like gravy. I don't like mayonnaise. Favourite away ground? Asked Matt Richard. That's good. quite like that one. I think the Bernabeu is the best football ground in the world from the inside. The San Siro from... The outside, like many United fans, I like Villa Park, I like going to Goodison, I like going to Anfield, I like watching Manchester United. Grounds, are, the views have become much better in comparison when we started doing United We Stand. And I, I just like taking the different grounds for what they are. The Olympico in Rome is not a favourite, but I'm glad that I've been there. I'm glad that I've seen Manchester United there, like seeing the team play around... Um, around Europe, around England and into Wales. I'm not a big fan of the the bowls, which were all built around the same time, quite cheaply. Them sort of 30,000 Derby, Middlesbrough, Sunderland's a little bit different, Cardiff, Stoke, I'm not a huge fan of them. Although they give, the views they give are absolutely fine, but I like, I like grounds with a bit of character because I'm a football ground nerd. What's the timeline for the new manager? Will it be sorted in the international break? I don't know where this has come from. Where where has United appointed a manager in the international break come from? I've never been told that at all. It's something the club have never said. And what do you do? Do you just say, OK, we're bringing the new manager in. It might be Ten argues got to try and win the league with Ajax, which is not a given by any stretch looking at the, the league table. It just doesn't happen like that. It's about getting the manager in place, I think. That will be happening verbally pretty soon, but I think there's still a couple of managers to speak to. Best of luck to the United women's team, um, says somebody. Yeah, they beat Everton. Told it was brilliant occasion. Uh, Favourite away game and why? Juventus away, 1999. United came from 2-0 down to win 3-2, and I couldn't believe that little Manchester United, the team I've supported, were going to play in a European Cup final. That was so, so exciting. Philip, what are the odds on a stadium redevelopment? And Carrington too, good question. The stadium we've already talked about, I think it'll happen. Carrington's a good training ground, but it's not the best anymore. Uh, It's fallen behind. Even the likes of Leicester, Tottenham have got the best training ground. So I think United know that, and I've written it, written it loads. I wrote a very critical article about it in 2015 and again in 2019. So I would expect more uh, development at Carrington. Um, loads of glazer out noise asked Tato but what are the alternatives are there any wishes plans move to bring Manchester United into fan ownership situation it's really difficult I don't think that takeover should ever have been allowed to have happened I don't think Manchester United need to be owned by anyone the club doesn't need a benefactor it doesn't need to be owned by a state the club is big enough and generates enough income to support itself doesn't need to be paying off interest payments or, or debts but the Glazer family bought the club in 2005 
and there's been a struggle um, and discontent among fans ever since. Been protests talked about uh, every year, every couple of years. Some with success, some with no success. I remember Must calling for a big protest. 2011, hardly anybody turned up to do it there, left with egg on the face. And I see that the mood can just whip up into a storm very quickly, but it can dissipate really quickly as well. And it's very frustrating. You get the green and gold, comes with a surge, and we put it on front the front of United We Stand. And then you see people going into the club shop wearing green and gold, buying stuff from the megastore. There's so many... Um, so much hypocrisy when it comes uh, to this. I I cannot see any change in the ownership anytime soon. And when the Red Knights were talked about, what came forward was basically nothing because there was very little unity in a group of potential investors in Manchester United. And this is the problem that we've got. I thought it was quite depressing how many Manchester United fans wanted to welcome him, Saudi owners, uh, just this idea of, oh, we want a rich uncle to buy all the best players and I've got real issues with football ownership. I was involved in the football, um, the fan-led review and when the Glazer takeover happened, I went down to see the British government with some other United fans, we all paid our own way down there and we all took time off work to do it and we all received a nice cup of tea and biscuits and we all received messages that amounted to fuck all. It was, oh, we're really sorry, but there's nothing we can do. And how depressing is that? And very little has changed in the 17 years. Uh, they brought the train set and the way they did it, I find that really upsetting because I know that a lot of United fans held shares, which they were really proud of, not for the monetary value, but for the sentimental value. And they were taken um, and like a compulsory purchase. And that was done in, in such an unfair and upsetting and ruthless way. The next question is, why are Musk demanding something the fans don't want? We don't want a share. We want them gone. Okay, I get that. I get that. The vast majority of Manchester United fans, if you said to them now, we want the Glazers gone, would say yes. I don't know any United fan who has got any form of love for the Glazers. I think we've done the 516 editions of the podcast over the last decade. And I think the, the pro-Glazer voices have been like four or five. And we've probably spoken to 2,000 different people. And while I disagree with them, they're entitled to their perspective, those four or five different people. What's the alternative? What is the alternative? Tell me what the alternative is. Tell me if there's another bidder lined up. You can buy the shares now. And it was a struggle when Manchester United first went public in 1991. All the shares were not purchased at the time by United fans. And looking back in hindsight, the club was an absolute steal then. But the, the share offering had to be underwritten because so few Manchester United fans took it took up shares at the time. There were actually mitigating circumstances. It, the share offer came out when United had played in Rotterdam and normal fans, not investors, had used a lot of money to go to, to Holland and watch the team at that time. So that wasn't ideal either. It's, it's a sorry situation, it really is. How many apples in a bunch of grapes? Asks David Black. I don't know. That's too clever for me. 
Uh, Lee Inchley wants to know, do you think the Chelsea situation might make the Glazers sit up and take notice of the potential bidders? Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. But I think the type of money that's being talked about would give them encouragement. And the second part of it is, or do you think they're here for the long run and using the club as a cash cow for their financial game? Well, yeah, there you go. It's a piggy bank, isn't it? And to that, which isn't really a question, MUFC Vintage has said they've taken out £1.5 billion while increasing the value to over £4 billion. Don't think that's quite right, the £4 billion. I think it's about £3 billion at the moment. Investing nothing and piling the purchase debt onto the club. They don't care what the fans think. They're not going anywhere while they're making money. It's their forever cash cow, unfortunately. Well, I think 99% of United fans would agree with that. The Glazers do claim that they now care what the fans think. They didn't for 17 years, so let's see what comes of it. But we've heard too little in the last year. Uh, after the brilliant Alanga song, do you have any ideas of a new chant? Sancho, maybe? Come on. We need to, we need some decent chants. I had one, actually, a few weeks ago uh, for Varane, but it needs to be done with a fair wind behind it. I love it how that Ilanga song caught on. Basically came from Jeff Parrish saying we should have a song to the tune of Rhythm is a Dancer and someone called Andy P putting some lyrics around it. And I spotted them and I said it on a podcast, just in conversation and the podcast went viral and, and it just took off from there. And... Within three days, the player, Alanga, found out about it. And the hard bit with Chance is getting him going in real life. And the lads under the Stratford end, Dean was one of them, definitely. Got it going, brilliant, loved it. Loved hearing that song in, in Madrid. Um, Bloody Desmond, should Trafford Road, Swingbridge be unfixed so that ships can go through it again? Love it. Love that question. Well, where would the ships go? What are they going to do? Just what, go to Pomona and turn round. Uh, is interest and Luis Enrique genuine or Lopetegui genuine or a smoke screen? I think I think it's genuine. I know it's genuine. Uh, Natalie, who I know is a big fan of United Women, how long is it going to take for them to build extra facilities for the women's team? I think they've started at Carrington. Uh, I'd love the women's team and the reserve team to have their own stadium. 6,000 capacity stadium like you find in Barcelona and Madrid and uh, Manchester City. Uh, I'd love it to be the cliff, but I'm not sure the transport infrastructure around there is suitable. I love the historical aspect of it. I've told the club that as well. I told the club that in March 2019, and we're now in March 2022. Things take really long time with the Glazers. They, 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 they wait and wait and wait, almost until they're cornered, and people are putting pressure on them for like, do the ground, do the ground, and then they do something for it. Lots of questions about the ground. Um, I gave my thoughts on it. I think a renovation, um, a, a big renovation, like like the one Madrid have done. I'm talking new roof, um, new exterior, and increased capacity, better facilities, and a really smart, big new main stand. That's what I'm, I'm thinking, but it's not my decision. Luke Shaw. Best play you've ever seen at Man United. Oof, Roy Keane. There you go, if you just want one. Uh, sorry, Ronaldo, first time round. Keen Ronaldo. But Giggs for his longevity. 963 games, Ryan Giggs. Absolutely brilliant. Would you take Mancini as United manager? 
I think he's a very good manager. Loved him as a player. <coughs> Was absolutely gutted when he went to City. He's a cool man and he's a very good manager. Mash on a Sunday dinner, is it acceptable? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Potatoes, yeah. Uh, who would your top three signings be for the next season? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think my opinion is very relevant there. I think um, people who know far more than me should be answering that one. People who are actually making the decision. What's the biggest animal you could fight to death with your bare hands? God knows. Don't know. Why are you such a shit journo? Uh, is it because you wasn't educated? Asks JG7, who, uh, interesting enough, has a picture of the sky as his uh, Twitter profile. Uh, you get a lot of that. You get a lot of that, like anonymous people. Mental. Uh, Real really Lee Baker. Uh, what would be your roadmap to force change at the club? How do, we, how do the fans group pull together? And how do we clearly identify if the current outrage is genuine or just reactionary to our rubbish team? I think you've got a big issue with United's fan base. So many of them hate each other. I think United's fan base is basically thousands of groups of, of mates who all have a consensus among each other. And they all think that that's the consensus. And I've studied this for a long, long time. And they don't like each other. They bitch about each other. And social media affords them anonymity to be really snarky and to do that even more effectively. I think fans change the tune all the time, which doesn't help the fan cause. Uh, I think a few wins and new signings appeased far too many uh, fans. I think a lot of fans don't care who owns the club, for example. I think any fan who puts his head above the parapet gets absolutely slaughtered. Any supporters' organisation gets absolutely slaughtered by their own fans again it's often anonymously and they say well look come and talk to us and they never do and you've got so many different demographics within Manchester United's fan base in terms of the geography in terms of the age profile in terms of match going fans non-match going fans people all want something which is is very different so some issues which are big for some types of fans and don't even register with the other Ticket prices, ticket allocations, a lot of fans just don't care about that. A lot of fans only care about transfers. So you're talking about so many people, millions of people, and who are changing the mood on a on a game-by-game -game basis almost, and often having really unrealistic expectations. I'll never for forget in 12-13, I think it was, the outrage when United didn't win a game at Swansea away. Like, drew a game, had the audacity not to win a game, to draw a game. And I just thought, whoa, what is happening here? Now, fans have always moaned there's always been scapegoats. People who claim that it didn't used to be like this. Well, they're right, but they're also wrong. Alan Brazil, the former United player, told me he was spat at when he played for Manchester United at Old Trafford. And... This idea that somehow fans who go to the match are always right and everyone else is wrong, well, that's bollocks as well either because it was fans at the match who booed Louis van Aal after he just won the FA Cup in 2016, which was, I thought that was really below the belt and unnecessary to do that. So I think you've got a really fragmented fan base. They don't like each other. A lot of snarkiness around. That increases massively when United do not win matches. And I cannot see a solution to that. 
anyone who tries to lead forward basically deserted when uh, when results start changing uh, what becomes an important issue fades away to not being an important issue and i think there's a lot of clicktivism as well there's a lot of outrage which takes no effort at all whereas actually if you involved in fan politics and i was for a long time in the 90s and i put my own money in to starting up groups and attending all the meetings and it is such a thankless task in some ways it really really is and i'm shaking my head as i'm saying this because i don't know what the answer is i think on one hand you've got fan groups wanting to have genuine communication with the club which didn't happen after david gill cut it after the takeover I think communication in life is a good thing. And then you've got other fans saying you shouldn't have any communication whatsoever while they're owned by the Glazers. Okay, so do you just carry that on forever? Really complex. And it's also very, very easy for people to pull up all the answers anonymously on, on websites. And there's so many know-it-alls. There are so many within a football fan base and it brings out the best and worst in people. So I have no uh, panacea to where that is but i do know we've um we're coming near to the end conti for united i'd be surprised that's the next one uh, do you think alex ferguson's influence at the club is causing more problems not really not really i don't think he's got a major influence um why do you suck off bang average players like mctominay so much let's have a look at this one. Oh, it's another one of the um football player for a profile picture mad in it and his old profile is McTalentless out. Imagine basing your whole life on getting a footballer out of a football club called Scott McTominay. I actually think Scott McTominay should stay at Manchester United. He's not keen class. He never pre pretended to be. I just think he needs better players around him. I think that players like John O'Shea, Darren Fletcher were very, very good players. And Scott McTominay is continuing to improve. He knows that. And I think he can get better and be an important player for Manchester United just very difficult for him at the moment and I think that position that central midfield position is probably one where Manchester United should be looking to improve uh, as the main priority in the summer and I know that United have been looking at, at, at different players in the Premier League and I know that a couple of players have been contacted as well and I know that a couple of players would love the idea of coming to Manchester United and I'm not going to name them now because I can't be mithered with the aggregator account blowing them up but what those players want to know, what one of them certainly wants to know, is who's United's manager going to be. I'm going to finish off United We Stand. Thanks for all your support in buying the mag. You've got until Monday to subscribe. We'll post you a copy out. We're putting hundreds of hours into that. I've only put one hour into this podcast. So if you like what we do, please buy United We Stand. The variety of articles in the new mag meant it was an honour for me to go through it all. The last few days we've had... We've got loads of interviews in there. There's loads of insider um, bits of information that you do not know or won't know. And we got an article from Moscow yesterday. We've had articles on the Ukrainian Reds. So the strength of Manchester United's global support really came to the, came to the fore there. Until next time, the next podcast will be after Leicester at Old Trafford. The race for fourth. How dreary does that sound? My word. The race for fourth. This is what we've come to. Thanks for Betfred for your support. Thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, goodbye.